Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. Uh, So I had a song on my heart. They didn't ask me to sing today. And so, see, I grew up singing Southern gospel. We had four-part harmony. They had bass singers and tenor singers. And so there was this one song I thought I would share with you. Joel Osteen always tells a joke. I thought maybe I could sing a song. Okay, so it goes like this. Oh, rich young ruler came one day to ask about the narrow way. But his hair was long, but his hair was long, and he couldn't be saved. No, he couldn't be saved. The preacher looked at him through tears, and he said, your problem's on your ears. If your hair's too long, if your hair's too long, there's sin in your heart. If there's hair on your ears, if there's hair on your ears, there's sin in your heart, there's sin in your heart. Get it cut today, get it cut today, and make a new start, a happy, glad start. (laughs) You'll live a life of fear and dread. With the tangle mess up on your head. If your hair's too long, if your hair's too long, there's sin in your heart. And I know somebody must have felt the Holy Ghost. That is a song to men because women are supposed to have long hair. In the church I grew up in. Ask me why I thought of that. I don't know. It just hit me before I came up here. And I thought I would just share a little humor. That was really, if you want a lot, if you want a recording of that, uh, I'll see what I can do about that. Y'all, there's another one called Filthy Luger. I'm not going to sing that one unless you want a little bit of it. You know what filthy lucre is, right? Explain. Filthy lucre is, is a, uh, it's, no, it's, it's like it has to do with money. Lucre, filthy lucre is like dishonest money. And so the chorus goes, filthy lucre, filthy lucre. You've earned many a child of God. You've earned many a child of God. That's the words of the song. They deceive you, you pursue them on the downward road they try. Filthy lucre, filthy lucre, their pockets full of you, they're cramming. Don't you know the Bible says that you can't serve God and mammon? Hallelujah. There's a reason I don't do Southern Gospel music anymore. Now, these were songs written by idiots. They're not real songs. They're, there was this actually this thing that became viral before viral was a thing. They made little cassette tapes. And this, these cassette tapes, do you still have your cassette tape, Janelle? So she was from that era with me. And they just went everywhere because people would take it. You know, like at church, they would have those uh, at the end of, the, end of service where they would uh, record the sermon and give you a cassette tape. Anybody ever been there? You know that? They would, they would do that. Well, so people would take those cassette tapes and make copies and give them out. And the name of the CDs, Hymns Your Mother Never Sang. <laughs> okay. I'm going to behave now. Draw it in, David. Get serious. You have something wonderful to say. So, uh, Last Monday at prayer, stop laughing. (laughs) Sherry, settle down. (laughs) Uh, Last Monday here at morning prayer, I referenced as I was uh, just kind of exhorting the last 10 minutes. And I remembered, uh, I had been watching 
the new season of The Mandalorian. Anybody seen The Mandalorian? How many of you don't know what The Mandalorian is? Come on, be honest. There's no shame if you don't know. Okay, thank you. Mandalorian is, it's this uh, sub-series uh, from the Star Wars universe. How many of you have seen Star Wars? How many of you don't care about Star Wars? Oh, come on. Come on, y'all. Well, so on this one sub-story, it's called The Mandalorian. There's this, uh, uh, there's this, this is about a man, but he's a part of a select group of soldiers. And they become a part, and there are, there are certain rules and regulations that they have to commit to. And uh, one of the things, they have to wear this helmet. It's indestructible metal. It, their armor that they wear on their body plus this helmet is indestructible. And it's called what? 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 How do you spell it? See, see, I'm not even that good at it. Beskar. It's called Beskar. It's, it's not real, but it's, it's, just, it's a Star Wars thing. And so it's indestructible, and they wear it. And, and one of the things is you can't take off your mask for, the whole, for your whole life. No one is allowed to see your face. And uh, it's one of their rules. And they always have this phrase that they say, if you know it, say it with me. This is the way. See? Idolaters, you're all idolaters. Everybody say it with me. This is the way. So the title of my sermon, this is only to reach uh, a group of young people to try to say something to make them pay attention. It's really, I'm not going to talk about Star Wars. There you go. You see it right there? You see it right there? Like today, Cole, Cole was helping me with put my scriptures and he texted me this meme. And I said, can you get that? I mean, just during worship, I said, you can have that ready, then put up on the screen. Uh, that's the title of my sermon. This is the way. Everybody say. This is the way. So I expect you, you know, uh, when preachers preach, they, a lot of times they want to hear the word. No, no, they want to hear amen, right? Amen. The people respond. They want, it's like, if you're preaching good, people say amen. amen. So what, but there, I think there'll be times throughout the sermon that I want you to say this is the way. Okay? It's not silly. Once I dive into it, uh, you'll understand. But I just, uh, you guys, y'all are visitors. Y'all know what this is the way? You know this phrase? No? Okay. It's on the Disney Channel. It's on the Disney Channel. I don't support... But it's on the Disney Channel, and they have all the Star Wars things, but there is a, a series. We're in season three of The Mandalorian. Okay. So I want to read you a passage of scripture. Um, and the scripture, I'm going to read, it's a good portion of scripture because I just want you to get the context because Paul makes a statement uh, about the way that I want you to see here because there is this awareness, there is this established way of life that was being established in the church after the second chapter of Acts and they begin to spread the gospel. So in the 19th chapter of Acts, starting with verse 1, from I'm reading from the ESV, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, This is the way. <laughs> and he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn, and continued in unbelief, 
speaking evil of the way. Before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. I think I said his name right. Acts 22, verses 1 through 4. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, now this is Paul. He's been arrested, and now he's talking to uh, his captors. They became even more quiet, and he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia. Cilicia. But brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. So here's Paul referencing this lifestyle called the way. Acts 24, verse 14. But this I confess to you, that according to which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. And one of the first scriptures we think about when we talk about the way is found in John 14 and 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Say, this is the way. Mark 16, starting with verse 15, then says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. I know a lot of people that are already thinking that we, you know, it's not the church I grew up in. I don't think I've ever seen a demon cast out. I'm not sure that speaking in tongues is the will of God. There are people that will tell you that. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Lord, I know places in Kentucky. <laughs> and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Say, this is the way. These signs will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm going to read to you a couple of testimonies. Uh, oh, last week, like a week ago Tuesday, I think, Nicole and I were on Daystar. I don't know if any of you saw it. We went over and spent uh, all day recording music and a couple of shows on the, the regular program that comes on at 11 and then another table talk show that's going to be aired. I don't know when that's going to be aired, but um, Joni has us come over and interviews us. We've known uh, this family. I, I knew Marcus and Joni before they got married. Marcus actually dated my cousin down in Killeen <laughs> years ago before Joni ever came uh, on the scene. Her name was Sonia. Marcus and Sonia didn't sound good. Marcus and Joni was right. Um, so, so we're talking. We have a you know a lot of familiarity in our you know in our stories, and so we're just having a, a wonderful conversation. And then Joni uh, sensed the presence of the Lord in the room as we were sharing some of our experience in the presence of the Lord. And she says, "David, I just want you to pray right now for people to be healed." She knows my dad used to work there 
answer phones and pray for people, and they had people healed all the time when my dad prayed for them. They would send notes to all the staff, cancer just disappearing in people's lives. And uh, it happened again and again and again because this is the way. So I prayed this prayer. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to read the testimony, okay? Can I do that? So this woman, Rebecca Paxson, I don't know if I'm supposed to say names, emailed, <laughs> emailed Daystar on March the 8th. I found Daystar while on lockdown during the so-called pandemic. She kind of has an attitude about the pandemic. <laughs> I discerned that. I discerned that in the first statement. <laughs> I have appreciated and been blessed by so many episodes that there are too many to count. However, recently while watching David Binion on Ministry Now, I experienced I've been suffering from excruciating back pain. Now, as I share this testimony, uh, you might be in the room, you may be watching online. There is a release of the presence of God right now, even as we share this testimony, that pain surrenders right now. I've been suffering from excruciating back pain that kept me from sleeping and had me taking unhealthy amounts of painkillers. I heard David Binion pray for someone who was suffering from back pain, and in my soul, I knew that word was for me. I claimed that healing, and now my back pain is completely gone, and I am taking zero pain relievers. There is no other earthly reason for this except that our God is good and he continues to be a God of miracles. Thank you, Daystar and David Binion for trusting in the power that heals. I just got this text from my sister yesterday. The morning after you and Nicole were here at Daystar, we had just finished rehearsal in the studio. One of the camera operators walked up to me and said, yesterday when your brother and sister-in-law were here, it was so powerful. Then she said during the interview, your brother looked right into my camera and said, someone is having severe back pain right now. Then she tells me, I had just asked the producer to get someone to cover for me because I was in so much pain in my back. Before they could even get a replacement, your brother looked into my camera and said, I command you to be healed right now. I said it just like that. <laughs> then she said, I thought it was for someone else watching, but instantly the pain started leaving my body. By the time a replacement showed up, the pain was completely gone, so I finished the show. She then said, I slept so good last night. Now it's been over a week since you guys were there. I just asked her about her back pain. She smiled so big and said, what pain? It's gone. When God does something, he does it really good. He does it really good. Sir, sir, you're watching. You're watching right now in excruciating pain, and I just declare to you, this is the way. This is the way God works. When we declare a thing, it's released in the earth, and I command you to be healed in the name of the Lord. Somebody in the room right now, we are already praying over people. We're already declaring it and releasing it. I command healing to abide. I command healing to, to come into your bodies right now, into your minds, gripped by strongholds of darkness. I break them off of you now in the name of Jesus and declare that you're free, that you're healed, that you're whole in the name of Jesus. And I trust that it's so because this is the way.
So I grew up uh, witnessing supernatural things. I was scared of mom and dad. I was scared to tell a lie. I, I, because God would tell them. They didn't even have to catch us. God would just tell them. It was freaky. God really does still speak. You know this because it, it, it's, it, 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 I remember though, I remember I was eight or nine years old and uh, there was a woman in church. Her name was Evelyn. I'm going to tell you her last name. I think she's in heaven now. Evelyn is in heaven. <laughs> uh, I made you laugh out loud. <laughs> uh, she, uh, my dad was up on the stage and dad was not a pastor. He was just an evangelist who helped with the music. And, and uh, so I'm, again, I'm eight years old at this church on Davis Street, downtown McKinney. I don't know what the name of the church is now, but at the time it was a church of God from the denomination out of Cleveland, Tennessee. And so uh, my dad is sitting on the stage and God tells him now, Evelyn and her husband were very close friends to my mom and dad. And, but God speaks to him and says that Evelyn is demon possessed. And I didn't want you to go pray for her. And my dad was like, God, I don't know what to say. You know, like, how do you tell somebody? Carissa? I hate to tell you, I hate to tell you this. No, no, I, Janelle, I've been thinking this for a long time. No. Uh, so my dad, he sits and the Lord just keeps prompting him and he finally gets up and walks down and sits beside him. There was a, a space open on the pew. What, there weren't chairs. There was a hard bench with a little cushion on it. And he sat next to her and he just, he didn't know what. He said, God, you're just going to have to leave me. And he sits down and he says, Evelyn, how long has it been since you felt the presence of the Lord? And she said, you know, Bob, I, I can't remember the last time I felt the presence of the Lord. I think I might be demon possessed. Janelle, <laughs> Carissa, uh, and he said, well, that's what the Lord spoke to me, and so let's, come, let's go down to the front and pray, and God's going to set you free. Well, this woman's sister was sitting right behind her and heard my dad tell her that the Lord showed him that she was demon-possessed. She got so angry, and she stood up and followed them down to the altar. My dad, in the simplest, most humble way, cast that spirit out, and she was instantly, Evelyn was instantly free. But her sister went into a rage. She was throwing grown men over the, we had those wooden altars at the front. She was throwing them completely over. How does, how does one do that? Uh, but the, the demon, fueled by her anger, took possession of her and she just like she's going across and then she comes back and and my dad is, sees her coming and she's got her hands raised and she's got these long sharp fingernails and she's just like in a rage coming at him and he grabbed her wrist and says devil I command you to come out of her now and she dropped and she was instantly free she confessed about her anger that's how we know the story and but so I'm sitting in the back about where Janelle is <laughs> and behind me I, there's a lady sitting who is laughing about all of, she's, she was a Baptist woman and not, not familiar with a lot of spirit-filled activity. And so she is laughing at all of the goings-on. And so I just hear her laugh. And then all of a sudden, I hear her laughter change into a hideous laughter. It was like, it was like a laughter. Then it just became like a, <laughs> so much that people around were like, we seeing the change and so they start gathering around and the pastor gets up and says everybody if you have a prayer language begin to pray because there's this thing is hopping around and we got to so let's get serious no nobody playing and and so he got everybody's attention and so again I'm just sitting there and this woman gets down under the pew and her body levitates up off 
the floor to the, she was about 96 pounds and her body was just up against the bottom of the pew only holding on by her skinny fingernails just uh, and, and so the pastor and my dad came and cast the devil out of her after that it was over I'm telling you all of that that I have witnessed the realm of the supernatural I don't tell you that to scare you but this is the way these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. I've only seen one devil cast out in this church. Tanner had another uh, encounter uh, where someone was delivered. I wasn't here that night. Uh, but when, when the presence gets thicker, don't, be, don't get weirded out. If demons start, I'm not welcoming any manifestations. In fact, if they come, we will get rid of you, evil spirits, if you hear me. You're not allowed to distract and take over. We will. This is the way. I grew up seeing cancers that were growths on people's necks just shrink up. Watching miracles my whole life. There was never a question, is God real? Because I saw the power of God at work and I knew the presence of God. And, uh, and then in my adult life, I really called it into my own life. I've, I, I decided to access my account. It was on March 19th. Uh, I don't know how many years ago, 15, 20 years ago. How long have we lived in Texas now? 15. So it must have been about 17 years ago. On March 19th, we came to Dallas. We were living in Nashville. We came to visit my mom and dad on the 17th. It was their anniversary. They celebrated this year in heaven. <laughs> um, but on March 19th, we were in a service. And I decided, I'd been, I'd been seeing the hand of God at work. I've been, I was, we were leading worship at a lot of conferences where Bill Johnson would share about all the miracles that were happening in Redding, California. This is even before Bethel Music was even an idea. Uh, th there was a revival of the supernatural happening at their church. And I, I was like, this, I grew up on this. This is my inheritance. An inheritance is something that you get that you don't have to pay for. You get to a certain age and you're given access to funds. And we were over in Mesquite and I decided to access my funds. And we were worshiping and... Before we started the first song, I declared to this church that while we worship today, healing will break out. I, I, I declared that while we worship, miracles are going to break out in this house. People will be healed while we worship. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, what if nothing happens? And I went to the keyboard and I thought, what if something does? A man got healed. Yes, this is the way. Uh, a man got healed. At the end of the service, we just started worshiping. We, we, we didn't sing any songs about healing. There was nothing more said about healing. We just worshiped, and it got deep really quick, and we just, there was mucus all over the place. You know, you know it's a real move when there's mucus involved, and people invest in Kleenex supply. And, and so we finished, and I forgot what I had said, but the pastor got up and said, I want to know, did anybody get healed today? And there was a man in his mid-60s on this side of the church came running, an older man. I'm 60, so. Uh, came running to the front and said, when they got up and started worship, when he said that and started singing, I had, when I was 19 years old, I had damaged my rotator cuff. And I've had three surgeries, and they could never correct it. 
But when he started worshiping, I felt something pop in my shoulder. And he started spinning his arm like this. And he said, I haven't been able to do this for 40 years. And I was like, that's one. That's not my daddy's. That's mine right there. That's, that's mine. Not that I'm going to brag on myself, but to see it, to see it manifest after I declared it. Uh, and then it just, it just exploded in our, in our life. I'm, I'm not going to go through a bunch of stories and tell you, but there are some things I want to tell you, though. Uh, I, I have uh, some stories of revival that I'd like to share. Is that okay? Yeah. Stories of revival, because revival is the way. Revival, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. Revival is the normal Christian life. I'll break it down in a little bit. But I want to tell you some of the things that I began to experience. I remember going to Brownsville for the first time. And uh, I was playing Jesus in a passion play at our church in Indiana where Nicole and I were. That's where we got married and. I was the um, song leader. They didn't call us worship pastor yet. Uh, I was the song leader and the choir director and uh, one of the associate pastors. Uh, but I played Jesus in the Passion Plate. So I had long, curly hair. This, if it grows out long, it gets a little wavy. But then I grew a spot on the back of my head, and then the long hair didn't look good anymore. So <laughs> chopped off my locks. But I'm still strong. <laughs> so anyway, I've got what's funny about this is I go up to get prayed for because I wanted what God was doing. And, and so they prayed for me and a hundred other people, and I fell out. And when I got ready to get up, I couldn't move because somebody was laying on my hair. <laughs> okay, God, I'll just stay here until somebody moves. And I kind of chuckled. I just was just laughing. This is kind of funny. And then it was, that was on a Thursday. On Sunday, you've heard me tell the story when Tommy Tenney showed up at our church there and the glory of God invaded the building. I, 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 it, I think it's important to know in light of what's been happening in recent weeks, when God would break out in a house, I, this was, this is, I heard hundreds of testimonies. People would go to Brownsville to see what was going on and go back home, and then suddenly it would explode in their churches. It was like it would leapfrog from here to there, and it broke out all over the nation. Uh, we see what happened a few weeks ago at Asbury University, and... The last I heard, there were over 20 universities having revival because people would come visit, go back home, and it would break out. Or they would just hear about it and get hungry for it. It would break out. Uh, there, there's a picture. I wish I would have thought to have it out. But on the Sunday uh, after he went and visited Asbury, he came home. On, on, and on Sunday, he came into the sanctuary, turned on the lights, and there was a haze, a cloud hovering in the sanctuary. You can't make this up. I've discovered that God can do whatever he wants to do. He can show up any way he wants to show up. There are plenty of scriptures where there's a cloud, a visible cloud, as it relates to the presence of God. So I have this encounter. The glory wrecks me. I don't even know how to articulate what's been happening, but Nicole and I started itinerant ministry, and we'd go to a church. To a, I remember going to this one conference in Washington, D.C., and um, we got up and sang one song because that's all they wanted us to do. But the residue of the encounter that happened just weeks before at our church was resting on us, and we didn't even realize the impact. But we sang a song, and... Four or 5,000 people are wrecked by the presence of God. And we just went and sat down. And I remember the pastor stopping us. He was coming up, and he had a, a big preacher, a big-name preacher about to preach. And he just stopped, tears in his eyes. He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but you're on the right path. 
we'd go different places and the residue of that encounter would continue because that's what happens. This is the way. I remember experiencing this awareness of the weightiness of God's presence. I traveled with Tommy to London and there was such a hunger for the move of God. And I, it's been a while since I shared this story. I'm going to share it again. Uh, I, I'm leading worship for at least an hour and a half. These people will not stop. I finally just quit. But they wouldn't stop. They just wouldn't stop. And so the keyboard was on this side. And they had these little wedges there on, on the back side of the keyboard. And I, I remember releasing the musicians. And I stepped up off the edge of the stage, and I'm standing there in that little speakers there, and the roar of worship coming from this congregation was explosive. I'd never seen anything like it. There's not a note of music being played, and these people are roaring in worship. And it starts to uh, develop a rhythm. There's kind of a, a cadence to the sound they're making. And I look at across the crowd, and, and their eyes are closed. And then I'm standing by that speaker, and all of a sudden I hear bagpipes start playing. And I'm thinking, oh, the keyboard guy came back up and picked. That's a good sound. That's a good choice. Uh, we're in London, and it just kind of seems right that bagpipes are playing. And I turn over, just like that. He was on the other side. The other keyboard player was on this side of the stage, but it was more back like back there. And I look over to just kind of nod at him and saying, good move. But he wasn't there. And I look back at the soundboard and the sound man goes, these sounds are playing over the speakers. And then there's a drum, marching drum thing that starts happening, playing to the the rhythm of the sound these people are making. And then this, over here, I'm not doing a good bagpipe sound. But you can imagine, just work with me. This is the way. Uh, the sound of heaven, the sound from the other realm was breaking into this building where we were. It was a supernatural expression of heavenly worship mingling with earthly worship. Yes, yes. I'd never seen anything like it. And then about uh, in front of where the soundboard is back there, there's the area, and the ceiling tiles were larger tiles, like maybe four here, four tiles here would make up one big tile. And while all of this is happening, I see like this... Uh, chalky plaster stuff start falling from the ceiling and all of a sudden a big chunk of the ceiling breaks loose. But it, it, but there are wires. You see the wires that, that the pieces of, of the tile caught on and, and ushers start running and they get it. But the people up at the front, they don't even know what's happening. They're just, they're still roaring. And so when this happened though, the, the pastor notices and he runs over to the side. He has an office and he comes back with this piece of paper that a woman had prophesied and written it down and given to him to, to prophesy about what was going to happen the night that Tommy and I are there. And, and so Tommy gets up. He's trying to preach, but these people won't shut up. So he hands Tommy the piece of paper. And all for whatever reason, they pause their craziness. And Tommy reads this prophetic word that says, on this night, God was going to take the roof off of the place. You thought there was a roar? It just exploded. And that, that continued until 11 p.m. Then all of a sudden, almost like a vacuum, all of the noise was sucked out of the room. And people stood there. The only sign of life were tears on the faces, on the cheeks of these people. All this roar of worship suddenly became silent worship. Not a child made a sound. 
a few sniffles, more mucus. And at midnight, the pastor stepped up to the mic in a whisper and said, we're going to release you. Please don't talk. Exit without conversation. Go home and get some rest. And when we gather in the morning, we'll try to explain to you what we think just happened. I just want you to hear and grasp these stories and realize there is more. I'm not expecting God to duplicate and rip out ceiling tiles. But I've seen the more of God. I don't want him to do what he did before. I want him to do what he wants to do now. Okay. I, I, I... I want to read you an excerpt from uh, one of Bill Johnson's books. Everybody say, this is the way. Bill says, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. What you think you know about God that cannot be found in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. He is the standard the only standard given for us to follow. As simple as that thought is, I never cease to be amazed at how many people try to improve on the example Jesus gave us and create a new standard. One that is more relevant. There seems to be two extremes. One is the Old Testament prophet-type ministry whose view of God and man are accurate for their time but very incomplete in regards to this hour that we live in. It is missing one significant ingredient. Jesus. He fulfilled the demands of the law and made reconciliation with God possible. He would not allow... James and John to minister under the anointing of the Old Testament prophet when they asked for permission to call down fire. That's what they knew. There was no New Testament for them to base their life on, but like Old Testament prophets, like Elisha, they wanted to call down fire, and Jesus wouldn't allow it. Because that season is over. And then there are the ones who take great efforts not to offend anyone with the gospel. That did not seem to be a value that Jesus carried. The heart is good in the sense that they want everyone included in the family. But if we water down Jesus' message and get converts, whose converts are they? If they did not hear the same gospel of abandonment and say all to Jesus, then whose message did they hear? Do we honestly think that the people who were unwilling to sell all in Jesus' day would be any more converted in ours? Then Bill says, Bible schools and seminaries prioritize teaching instead of doing. Greek and Hebrew are important, but not more important than learning to recognize his voice and release the miracle of healing to someone. Leadership courses are important, but not more important than being able to lead someone to Christ. We're teaching hard classes by professors that have no experience. 
Therein lies the problem. People with theories are raising up a generation who are satisfied with theories. Many stop short of a divine encounter because they are satisfied with good theology. One should lead to the other. If your theology doesn't lead you to an encounter, then something is wrong. Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. What was, you read the scripture in Philippians. Do you remember what it was? Pull that back up if you got it. I want to read it again. Philippians 2.5. I thought, oh, that's... In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, because this is the way. Who, being in very nature... God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. There's a passage of scripture that Jesus quoted to his disciples. I think it was when Peter, they were, Peter was chopping off the ear of the high priest and and Jesus' response was, do you know that I could call 12 legions of angels to come and rescue me? But how would the scripture be fulfilled? So he stripped himself. He had the ability to step into divinity and do something as divine, but he had made himself a man. He was demonstrating to us how to function in the earth as a man, totally dependent on the voice of God. Jesus said, I do nothing. I can do nothing except what I hear the Father say. We know he could have called the heavenly realm to come and invade and support. But he maintained this place of his, his place as a human demonstrating to us how to function in the earth. To speak to a mountain or to speak to a fig tree. To curse something and it be cursed. To bless something and it be blessed. He was showing us what a man is capable of. Because this is what he has called us to in the earth. John, the first chapter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop, I think. John 1, starting with verse 32, I love this story. I love this passage of scripture. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit like a dove, and it remained on him. Say remained. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Jesus was John's cousin. He knew him by the flesh, but he was not aware the only time he was remotely aware was when he was in his mother's womb and Mary showed up and John left in her womb. There was something about Jesus, but John didn't know until he saw the dove rest upon Jesus. And the Lord had spoken to him and said, the one on whom you see the dove sit upon and remain, that's the son of God. And so John was able with boldness to declare, Behold, the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. What would you do if the Spirit of God began to move in this room and an actual dove landed on your shoulder? 
how would you walk around the room? Or even go about your day if you didn't want the dove to fly away? The best answer is very carefully. <laughs> this was, uh, I didn't make this story up. You've heard Tanner share it before. I've shared it before. If you've been with us for any amount of time, uh, this, we, we learned this from one of Bill Johnson's books. Every step you make is with the dove in mind. If you want the dove to remain, Every conversation you have must be made with the dove in mind if you want the dove to remain. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. You can watch any kind of movie you want to watch, but not if you want the dove to remain. We talk about revival. We define revival. I, you know, when I was a kid, revival was either three days or seven days because we traveled everywhere. We'd have a three-day revival or a seven-day revival. And then in these recent decades, revivals lasted two and three years, but they still had a beginning and they had an end. So we think our theology of revival is that there's a beginning and there's an ending. But I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that is the way. But the reason we don't see a continual abiding presence of God is because we think we can do anything we want and we have grace. So it doesn't matter if we watch R-rated movies and hear language that shouldn't be coming into our ear gate and think the dove is going to remain. It's not legalism. This is the way. It, it, it has to do with, it's not legalism for Nicole to be upset with me if I flirt with another woman. This is the way. I have to be loyal to her heart, devoted to her. So if we want to see real revival, we have to change a lot of things. We have to submit to the way. I mean, reality is you're not going to go to hell if you choose to do other things, but if you want intimacy with the dove, If you think about it, if you can carry this image with you and you're at work and someone tries to pull you into a conversation tearing down the boss, and maybe he needs to be torn down. Maybe the president needs to be removed. But will the dove remain if you talk ill of the leaders in our nation. There's some things I don't like, but I'm not going to tell you what they are because it's not the way. In order for me to maintain an ability to carry the glory of God, I must live in such a way is to draw him. And he always comes. We, we have been so blessed in this house. He always comes in our worship. But what happens when we leave this place? Does the dove remain? Does revival remain? Is there a reason the dove takes flight? Because you got mad at your wife? I get mad at my wife sometimes. But if I want the dove to return, I have to repent. I have to apologize. I want to tell you this is the way. This is not 
I want him more than I want to do my own thing. I want him more than I want grace. Does that make any sense? I want him more than I want the grace to be able to cuss. When I'm playing golf, I quit playing golf because I always wanted to say the S word. Just being real. So I, I quit playing because I wanted to control that. I couldn't control my swing, so I just stopped because I wanted to control my tongue. And sometimes I, you know, I end up in a gossipy conversation and I just I don't even know how I got there. And I start looking for the dove. Where are, where are you? It doesn't take long for me to see myself, to really see myself, and, and to know the impact that my decision made on the heart of the Holy Spirit. There's a couple of scriptures I want to tell you. Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. How do our actions and decisions make the person of the Holy Spirit feel? To grieve, grieve is a word that means to cause sorrow or distress. This verse about grieving the Holy Spirit describes the pain in the heart of the Holy Spirit. What he can feel because of something we could do or allow in our lives. The word quench means to stop the flow of it. Kind of like we've all kind of kinked up a water hose to stop the flow, right? That is a, a really good way to understand how to quench flow of the Holy Spirit. It's something that we do, we choose. It's a choice we make. Jesus became, I'm going to say this and be done. Jesus became the ultimate revelation of the will of God on earth. But it's not just through what he accomplished. It is through his relentless, consistent hosting of the dove. Giving place to the presence of God is our greatest joy. But it's not a trick to get miracles. But the Father cannot be adequately represented without miracles. They're essential in revealing the nature of God. We don't go after them so that we can boast and say, look what we did, because it's look what he did. We make the decision between the natural and the supernatural. Those are the two realms we live in. But God has only one realm, the natural. It's all natural to him. It's natural for him to speak and a demon, a legion of demons would leave a man and go into a herd of pigs. That's natural to him. It's natural to see cancer in someone and Jesus just get in close proximity of someone that's hosting the dove and the cancer surrenders and is gone. This is the way! This is who we are. It's his kingdom. It's his will, his glory, his power. This is the way. There's so many things we could touch on. We could go and, and go through the Ten Commandments and declare to you, this is the way. This is how you live. Walk in this way. But Jesus became the perfect example. 
So God, I'm going to turn this to, to Tanner to wrap up. But I position myself to walk softly, to be fully aware of your nearness. God, help me to walk the right way, to talk the right way, to lead this people the right way, to demonstrate an awareness of your presence in my life so that everyone that watches me would say, I want that. I want to live like that. I want to do that. I want to be that. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.